Hello, legends, and welcome to Real Estate Leaders and Legends, a California Association of Realtors podcast, where we're dropping leadership knowledge, one legend at a time. You're about to learn the secrets of success from some of the biggest and brightest in the industry. I'm Sarah Sudachan. And I'm Emily Horn. We head up CAR's Industry Relations and Local Association Services, and we're podcasting from Studio CAR in Los Angeles. Today, we'll talk to Mike Hickman of Seven Gables, an independent firm in Orange County, where he worked his way up from agent to president and CEO. We really love talking to Mike. He's a guy who preaches and teaches a positive mindset. We all want to succeed, but Mike puts values above everything. Absolutely. I loved hearing about how he uses 10 core values um, with his staff, and he coaches them to stay true to those values. He believes happiness creates success not success necessarily creating happiness. I love to hear about that. Yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, But before we get into the interview, it's time for The Lead Off. The Lead Off is what we're working on or thinking about this week, and it's inspired by the interview you'll hear today. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to go through an exercise Mike does with his agents, um, and he talks about in the podcast. Yes, and it's called the Culture and Core Values Sheet, and it's a list of about 30 words that Mike gave us so that Sarah and I can do this exercise, and it describes personal values. So what we did was we took that 30, list of 30 words, and then we picked our 10 most important uh, words out of that, and then we cut it down to five, which was really hard, and then <laughs> cut it into three, and finally, which I couldn't do. Yeah, so you might share more than one, <laughs> right, Sarah? Um, and then we finally cut it down to just one word that gets to the core of your core values. So, Sarah, do you want to go first? Tell me what came out of that for you. So I, I did do the exercise. I got ten, and then I cut it down to five. And there are words like accomplishment, authenticity family, growth, health, um, integrity, justice, right? And I, I, I put down my 10 and then I cut out five and then I'm stuck because I can't get down to one. It's hard to pick just one. three words. I know I need to commit. Okay. What are your three words? Tell me your three. Creativity, mm-hmm. family, and growth. So tell me why those stick out for you. Um, well, family is an obvious one. I think you all know me. Uh, creativity is one of my core values because I believe that I've built my career on being creative and thinking outside the box. And growth is something I'm really passionate about. I'm really passionate about learning. And it's part of the reason why we started this podcast, Emily, it was to really learn from the leaders that we're interviewing. Definitely. And it's been really a great um, growth and learning for me personally. So... Um, maybe growth. You, I'm gonna just just do stick it. with it. I like it. it. You can't go wrong with that okay. one. What about you? What are your what's um, yours? So my I'm gonna talk I, about your top three and then and you know it down I, to one. I don't even think I I have to be honest. I think I did from five to one. <laughs> I kind of just skipped a skip a step there. Overachiever. But, yeah. Well, or just uh, <laughs> try to be efficient. Um. So my word that came out was health, and I think the reason that that sticks out as my core of my core values is because 
you know, it's about the wellness of your mind, body, and spirit. And I think I've learned, especially through um, being a mom over the last five years, specifically, um, that without me putting my mask on first, so to speak, in the airplane, I can't take care of anyone else or be um, a good employee or be a good wife or friend or anything. So to me, health um, is at my core because that's, to me, where it all starts. What a cool exercise he taught us. For sure. It kind of, it makes you think. All right. I'm ready to learn more from Mike. Mike, welcome. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Mike, tell us a little bit about where, how you got to where you are today and into the leadership role that you have today. Quite honestly, uh, like a lot of people in real estate, we get into the business by accident. It wasn't with intent. And um, I started as an agent in the company I'm currently, currently own and have worked my way through from being an agent to being a manager um, starting a, an office from scratch and becoming a general manager to the vice president, the president, and then finally the owner of the company. And um, each one of those steps, um, probably the incremental steps, is what uh, has provided me the foundation for where I am today. Did you know that's what you wanted to be when you became an agent? Or you just fell I into it? I didn't, Sarah. No, I, um, I had uh, I would always... Um, uh, kind of my first love was to play baseball, and uh, I had played baseball for a while, and um, I found myself in South America playing baseball. Um, and as a result of that, I had been, uh, I was looking forward to going to law school. And when I returned, and uh, I missed the first two weeks of law school, and they wouldn't let me in because you start writing and reading and everything two weeks before the the semester oh, actually starts, no. right? Yeah. So they said, "Sorry, Mike, you." Um, not our problem you kind of get stuck in South America so you can't join us so I my default was real estate <laughs> and like many um, of that's us kind of what yeah exactly exactly that's what kind of led to me to where I was so I went up and um, get get to, uh, I had already received my real estate license and I uh, spent one season coaching division one baseball team and then came back and started in real estate and I've heard that at Seven Gables, you really pride yourself on customer service and client experience. What what are your values surrounding that, and how do you instill that into your agents? Well, thanks for asking, Emily. You know, we we everybody talks about service or experience, but I'm not so sure that we do an outstanding job of that. But the one thing I know we do is we stick by our core values. We have ten core values that our leadership team and agents have established as their values. I didn't establish them. But every decision we make, everything we do, um, every program, every person we hire um, has to kind of align with those values. And it's kind of a, we have three basic principles. One is to build culture, two is to develop people, and three is to selectively grow. And as we stand here today, we have about 420 agents, um, that that's by selection. It's not by just recruiting efforts. We probably turn away more people than we have uh, currently or we keep in the company. What do you look for specifically when you're making those selections? It's very, very simple. It's just an alignment of values, okay? They could be the highest producer, the lowest producer. They give me someone with a great attitude and an alignment of values with ours, and it clicks every single time. And we have lesser problems. People don't argue. They don't, you know, do suspicious things, quote, unquote. So I think that and, and we can always go back. I had to make a decision last week about a situation. In, in thinking it through, what I decided to do was go back and look at our values and say, where are our values in this situation? And when I did, 
it became really clear to me how I would address the situation. It was a very touchy, emotional situation with a, a manager that was leaving us. Um, it was, he was retiring, um, but he also has some physical circumstances that made it very difficult. But when I looked at the values and, and correlated the values to how I wanted to um, process the information and then ultimately respect this gentleman and, um, and honor him, it was so clear and it was really easy. I don't have to think about it. They're all right there. That's beautiful. So how can people find your core values? Because I don't, I, I don't know if you want to go through all 10. That's a lot. But what's the most important? And how can people like access your values? Well, a c- couple things, Sarah. First of all, let me tell you this, that when we have our recognition event, uh, we don't call it awards or anything like that. We have a recognition event every year. And um, it's, really, it's really kind of a neat day because we have 10 core values. And I passed out a piece of paper probably sometime in January because we did this in February. And the agents get to vote on who best represent those core values. Now, I don't get to pick them. They get to pick them. It's kind of cool. And, um, you know, from number one being everyone matters to number two being respectful all the way to number 10, having fun, which is really a fun award to hand out every year. Um, uh, the agents pick them. I only hand out, I only hand out 23 typically recognition um, gifts or points and 20 of them are about who people are not what they produce so it creates a different environment based on values than it does on production because i just see production as a byproduct of values and doing the right thing and it's just my own personal theory but it's worked for us so far and we have a lot of heck of a lot of fun with it i'll tell you and there's people that actually uh, when they receive these awards are so important i i had we have a vote every year behind the scenes with leadership about how many criers there's going to be. And it's kind of fun because <laughs> really I really sweet. like, I really like talking about them and it means a lot to these people to be voted by their peers as being honest. Uh, I'm sorry, being respectful and kind and compassionate or being involved in their communities or having fun. Cause we have one guy that won it three years in a row, have fun and all the agents vote for him, right? Cause he's a character, but there was a different winner last year and they were sitting next to each other and had a hilarious time with it. So everybody just, you know, two hours of laughing and, you know, enjoying each other. And that's 10 different awards for the 10 core values? That's correct. 10 different awards for the core values. And then I have other awards, like uh, I actually gave away an award last year for the person that took the most vacation time. Okay. (laughs) And uh, That's unique. So, and she's awesome. (laughs) And she's uh, one of our top agents. She's a remarkable woman. Um, I love her to death. I've known her since she's been a kid, but she took more vacation time than I could ever dream of. Talk about and knowing so about work-life balance. Well, right? she's probably working yeah. on vacation if she yeah, was exactly. producing that much. Oh, oh, does she know? And does she know? If she ever heard this, she'd be cracking up. That's hilarious. Oh, that's yeah, but she, no, things like that. Or a community service award. Or I gave one, Sarah, to like Bill Schaefer for what he does oh. for us in standing out in the community oh, of agents great. across the country, across the state, and even in our local communities. So I think it's great we honor people like for what they do, not for what they produce. I think that's a byproduct of who they are. Yes. Mike, you're obviously a mentor to your agents um, and staff. Who has been your mentor? Well, you're, you'll probably think this is a, a little bit different, but um, we like I, different. Had, I had um, the rare opportunity. Yeah, okay, cool. I had the rare opportunity as kind of a young guy to, um, when I went to college, I, I picked a college that I didn't get a scholarship to play athletics at. And the reason I did is because I was attracted to the man who was the head coach at that time at UC Irvine. 
And um, I, I can remember walking in the first day after meeting him and everything. And, you know, the recruiting process is one thing. But now you're sitting down at the table on your desk. And the first day he meets everyone, he says, we will be the number one team in the country. And, and I'm thinking, you know, OK, right. I'm 17. I just turned 18 years old. Right. I just graduated high school. We're going to be the number one, you know, one on this whole thing. Well, turns out we were for two years in a row. So this gentleman, his name is Gary Adams. He coached me. I had the, the good fortune of having him as a coach for two years um, in my first two years of college. And he left UC Irvine and went to UCLA as the baseball coach. And he is now in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I still call him coach. I helped him coach last summer at his home up in Tehachapi for underprivileged kids. And I'll get to go back next summer. He had his UCLA guys up this summer, and next summer is UCI. So we have a lot of fun with him. But what he did for us is teach us some basic human um, things that I become ingrained in you, and you they're just there. I mean, they're part of your life. But see, he shared an office with John Wooden. Okay. Oh, wow. You might. Okay. Yeah. We don't so know that when guy. I, <laughs> you don't know do. that guy. So yes. everything he taught us, we didn't know it at the time, but we were just being, we were probably being just mentally um, persuaded to lean in that direction. So everything we did was about John Wooden and how he coached. We weren't allowed to speak. We were very humble. We outworked everybody. We outplayed everybody in our fundamentals and knowledge of the game. We weren't as good as a lot of the teams, but we won two back-to-back national championships. And I know for a fact we weren't as good as a lot of the teams we played, but it's who that this guy was that coached us and how he taught us how to play the game and i think i carried those things over because i didn't know any better you know remember i just did this by accident so hey i think i just carried those values and um a mentor role that he played for all of us um over into business and i have no doubt it's there because of how i think and how i react to things and um even in talking to coach when i spent time at his house last summer at his ranch um, I, I listened to what he had to say and it's just like, God, I did that. Okay. That's where that came from. What you know, I remembered all these things. So. Would you be willing to share an example of that? If you can think of an anecdote or, or something that you learned in terms of leadership from him? Sure. Um, leadership for him is different than leadership for a lot of people. It was very quiet. It was very humble. Um, and it was very determined and it was more prepared than anybody else. And he always talked to us about competitive greatness, which means simply that when you're at the end of the game and you know that you've done everything you could possibly do, that's competitive greatness and you've achieved it. And that's his sort of definition of success. I mean, here's what that looked like. We had to outwork people. We had to outthink them. We had to outprepare them, which we were at all times. So we were playing a game at Pepperdine University. We were ranked number one in the country, right? And we won the game. And we played pretty well. And I was just sitting on the bench because I was a pitcher. So it wasn't my turn in the rotation. And I played a great game. We beat a great pitcher, a guy named Mike Scott, who went and played for the Houston Astros for years and years. And, um, and he said, you know what? We, I felt like all of you are a little complacent. You're kind of getting used to this. And so we did a 100, 100-yard sprints after the game. Okay? And the guys from Pepperdine, because our friends we had played with for years, um, came out and were just like, what are you guys doing? Okay, this is nuts. Man, guys were sick. They weren't feeling good. But you know what? We didn't lose a game the rest of the season. We went they didn't want to run games again. in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Here they put the fear of God in us, right? That works. <laughs> um, but Coach Adams is a, is a miraculous man. He's touched so many lives. 
And here's a prime example of that, Emily and Sarah. And um, uh, the last couple of years, there's a couple of people that really stand out in Major League Baseball. Uh, one of them is a guy named Tori Lavelle, who's the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the other one is a guy named Dave Roberts, okay, who's the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. You may know those names. I don't know. Go Dodgers. Yay, Sarah. <laughs> Go Dodgers. Um, both of those were his players, okay? Oh, he wow. coached both of those guys. Yeah, Dave Roberts was one of his great players. Troy Lavelle, I, I can go on and on with the players. He's had Troy Gloss when he was with the Angels, uh, and even several of our guys. So do you have the pyramid of success up on your wall? <laughs> you talk about John Wooden. Or how does that translate into leading your company? Like how, what values do you still use back from what you learned in you know, undergraduate baseball to now well i think there's a component there that um that, that coach adams taught us and it's a natural progression it's one of being prepared um being always maintaining your poise it's very easy sometimes to get upset uh, being very humble competitive greatness um confidence is another thing quiet confidence and i think that's how he always coached that's how he led us and that's what we had as a result and we outplayed everybody we out hustled everybody and for example we would spend uh, the fall playing junior colleges and um, we would only work on like one thing in a game and we'd get beat 18 to nothing. So these guys in junior college thought, Oh gosh, terrible team. But when it came time to execute the fundamentals, the basic fundamentals of the game, they were superb. Little did they know you were, you were sharpening that tool. That's right. He always defined excellence as the, the superb execution of the basic fundamentals. And I think that applies to real estate. It's a superb execution of basic fundamentals. When you think about real estate and you think about what that means, it means about forming relationships, about um, honoring relationships. It means being respectful. It means being humble. There's no room for, if you have a huge ego in this business, there's no room for innovation. And that was another great mentor that I had, although I didn't have him as a mentor directly, but only through textbooks was Peter Drucker when I went to graduate school. You know, we, we've mentioned coaches a lot and, You've been referring to sports, but also, um, as you know, coaching has become increasingly popular in the real estate industry. And a lot of agents swear by their coaches and that they've helped them get to the next level. What are your thoughts on real estate coaching, and do you promote that within your own company? We do promote it very heavily. Um, it's one of our key, it's the number two pillar of our three pillars of this company, which is building culture. Um, which is what I talked about earlier with values. Two is, to, is, is developing people, and three is selectively growing. And that's part of a program that leading real estate companies of the world puts together. Uh, put, put together. Um, and I was one of the seven brokers who helped formulate and facilitate the initial foundation of that um, with people from around the country. So I, I really believe in it wholeheartedly. I have a real estate coach. His name is Mike Staver. I don't know if any of you know him. We've heard um, of but him. But Mike is he's, he's Mike legendary. Is Mike, yeah, he is. And um, he's, a, I consider him a dear friend, um, but his values and the way he coaches are exactly aligned with, with mine. And so it's, it's, a, it's an environment or it's a, it's a relationship that clicks and it just works really, really well. And that's what happened last, last Thursday or Friday, last Thursday. I, I said, Mike, need to talk for a minute. I got to get this clear in my head. I want to bounce something off of you. And within two hours, we're on the phone, had it done in 15 minutes, super clear to me, and moving on. Do we coach? Absolutely. Um, we started coaching 
back in 2007, actually, 2007. I have um, I had a friend who owned a brokerage in Chicago named Thad Wong. And uh, Thad and I have been friends. We did, did some work together. In fact, he was one of the seven brokers, too, that helped put together the Maestro program. Um, and he had, a, he had a cohort named Matt Dollinger. Do you know Matt? No, I know Thad and Thousand Watt. I mean, no. At, okay. What is the at properties? Is that right? At properties, yeah. yeah. At properties, yeah. They're the largest brokers in Chicago. Yeah. Anyway, um, Matt, was their, Matt was their productivity coach. And it interested me. Back, it was 2006, actually. It interested me at that time. And so I have a, uh, a wonderful um, vice president of our company at that time was just an, a manager with me. Her name was Lisa Grubel, and it was of interest to her. So we had we had two um, two people that kind of coached her, if you will, into the coaching and and personal development. Um, one was Matt Dollinger, who worked for Thad at the time, and one was Doug Gaiman, who had a uh, management consulting business. And between those two, um, I would say that probably eighty percent of our our team is coached either by her or through her and one of her underlings, uh, our assistant coaches, if you will, that coach our agent. And it's interesting because she spends a lot of time on life and personal issues. And it's kind of interesting. Good. Well, you need that foundation. I think you need to have your life right in order to be successful in your business. And I, I appreciate that perspective well, because it's not like there's the work life and then there's your personal life. It's all one life. And I think mm-hmm. um, it's a right. more contemporary way of looking at things. I think it used to be more expected that, you know, they're completely separate and they don't touch, but we all know that that's just not realistic. Oh, no. and so I appreciate someone that has that perspective. Not realistic at all. They do touch. They, yeah. they do. And now in, in the schools, they're teaching whole child. Like it's not just the academic piece. Which is important for me, anyway. Definitely for my kids. Oh, I, I think so. I I think it's incredibly important. And uh, you know, there's um, uh, you're probably aware of an author by the name of Sean Aker. Um, do you know Sean? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I would invite you to uh, to read his book, The Happiness Advantage. Okay. Uh, it's one of the things we coach to, and one of the, one of our deep beliefs. Um, and and that that goes to the issue of happiness creates success. Success does not create happiness. It's a lot of work to be happy, isn't it? That's true. Well, it is. It is a lot of work, but it's, it's also about keeping things in perspective mm-hmm. and knowing what's important in your life. And um, I think having, yes, a work-life balance, but also um, what is really important, what, what stands out and what, what you need to make you feel happy versus successful. Because we believe happiness creates success. Success does not create happiness. Because every time you get successful, the goalposts move, right? Right. And you got to get a little bit more productivity. You got to make a little bit more money, or you got to have that extra listing. And in fact, when you can uh, find yourself being very happy, um, it's a whole different experience. So we coach to that. Um, it runs as a thread, common thread throughout our organization. And I know it sounds just so esoteric and idealistic, but oh my gosh, when you place it in your value system and your coaching and development of people, and it's kind of a mindset in the company, it makes a big difference. I mean, we don't have a bunch of people that float around and say, oh, I'm happy. But you know what? <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. There's a lot of there's a lot of positivity. Put it that way. Right on. And as there should be. So you talked about I love this. I wrote it down. The superb execute the superb execution of basic fundamentals. What are the basic fundamentals mm-hmm. that agents need to be successful besides happiness? 
besides happiness. I think that's kind of a byproduct of the other things, but I think the basic fundamentals are simply, they're going to be centered around the fact that uh, relationships matter, okay? Uh, business planning matters. Um, I think that as a result of that mindset, um, skill set and action set all matter, all those three things put together. Um, and mindset is a, is, a, is a high positive mindset, meaning you have high energy, you're positive, as opposed to low energy, low negative. You know, we've met people like that. You walk in the room and go, oh my gosh, they're, oh, I can feel the negativity, I can feel the energy. Um, you leave so their tired. Matter. Oh, those zap your energy, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. And, but I think, I think, so having the right mindset about our business, again, it goes back to aligning your values, your core values, and having um, a hierarchy of what makes you happy. I think having a, a certain skill sets um, certain skill sets include communication, um, passion, caring. Um, and I'll tell you another example of what I do too. So in a minute, and finally, uh, I think having a certain set of actions and that we do have those, we live and die by those and they seem to work. One of our offices is the, uh, our, our flagship office in Tustin is the highest producing office in all of Orange County as far as units sold per agent. Wow. And we're super proud of that. And I, I attribute it to the work that Lisa Grubel does. She's magnificent as a coach um, and to our, our entire team. But those three issues, mindset, skill set, and action set mainly. And I think that goes to that issue. Mike, what excites you most about being a leader in the real estate industry today? Well, I'll set an example, then I'll tell you the answer to that question. So one of the, one of the fun things I get to do is I, I've, I've taught with Mike State. Why? I shouldn't say I've taught with. No, no. He allowed me to step in, I think, one time and use some of his stuff. I think that's a better way to put it. Um, he's way too smart for me. And, and so I, I have this thing called values, and it has 25 values on it, on this sheet. Things like authenticity, loyalty, integrity, fun, um, spirituality, health, family, words that make a difference. And what I'm discovering is the last, I started teaching this about a year and a half ago around the country to certain uh, offices and companies. And it's very interesting because what's happening is I said, here's your 25 list of values, which 10 best represent you? And people will check off their 10. Okay, now we're gonna narrow it down to five, we'll narrow it down to three, we'll narrow it down to one word. And people, when I did this with some folks from ladies from a very well-known brokerage in Houston and Jacksonville, Florida, I was sitting in Chicago and did it with them. And then I said, turn it over and write a paragraph or two about why that word is so important to you, okay? And they were started crying. Oh, oh God, what did I do? I just upset these poor people. Oh my gosh, this isn't <laughs> supposed to be like this. But the word was so meaningful to them. Okay. It sounds weird. Okay. But I, I'll get to the point here. Um, the word, the one word that best represented them was so meaningful that they, they took it seriously and they reflected back to some point in their childhood or where in their development that it became meaningful. That sounds again, woo, hey, out there, right? But here's the thing. Everybody knows what we do in real estate. You know, Simon Sinek, you know, they, everybody knows what we do. They know how we do it, but they don't know why they do it. Okay. And so what I did was I took that piece. Let's say you're, let's say it's authenticity and put it together with how they articulate their messaging in real estate and form their relationships with clients and how they put things on paper, what they say, how they hold open houses, how they send postcards, whatever they do have social media, digital advertising. And when you combine those two, it makes for a terrific message about why they do what they do and who they are. Because people want to know who you are, I think. Because 
realtors? I mean, come on, Sarah. How many times have we had this discussion with Joel about how low the bar is in California, right, right. to get into the business? Yeah. So everybody kind of knows what we do and how we do it, but they don't know why we do it. And Simon Sinek is so spot on. I mean, everybody everybody should know why they do it, and it can't be about making money because that's throw that out the window. That's a great exercise. I'm in, I'm thinking, know, what would my word that. be? I don't know. I'd have to go through that exercise, but I really like that. Here's what you have to do. Ooh. Here's what you have to do. Okay. Go through the exercise, but here's what you have to do. Say, pick your top 10, and what word best describes you or how you think people see you. And if you get down to the word family, okay, you get to the word family, and you're willing to pick up the phone, and it's a $10 million listing. If you're willing to pick up the phone, then it can't be family. Because family, you would leave the phone there, even if it's a $10 million listing. Okay? Uh, I see what you're saying. Very interesting what happens with people. Hmm. Yeah. And then what it does is when you know that one word that represents you, and you're going to be part of all these values. There's little values there. there. You're going to be, but there's going to be one that's going to be overpowering. The one that will be the lead value, okay? Because we're all pretty authentic. We're all pretty care about family. We all have integrity. We all have those words. But there's always one when you have to make that decision and write your paragraph about it that'll stand out. And when it happens, it's pretty unique because what it allows you to do then, it allows people to be attracted to you based on that. Right. Okay? And just be surprised. And I'll just give you this. I was in Richmond, Virginia teaching this, and I have about 45 brokers in the room, so we split into two groups. One went to property management. The other one came to me with go through this drill. And going through the drill, um, as they get through their final word, did all the stuff, they get down. 18 of the 20 people in the room, their one word was family. Interesting, right? Yeah. Well, my word's family. So what was, those are, the, those are my closest friends out of the 45 or 40, and yet, you see how the attraction worked? They mm-hmm. wanted to be in this group first with me. So I go to the next group, but that's really strange. Okay. Huh. Okay, I go to the next group, only two of the 20 words were family. Because hmm. they, they're they friends, but they're not like my closest friends in that group. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. We didn't have the same values and alignment. Interesting. That is interesting. So it does hold it true. Down. Very interesting social phenomena. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly it. Exactly, Sarah. Exactly. Hit it on the button. What's something people don't know about you? I would think most people don't know about me that um, uh, I'm very health conscious and very spiritual. They would not know that about me. I keep it very quiet. Uh, They would never guess that probably. Well, I would guess you're health Um, conscious because we're doing a Zoom, so we get to see Mike right now, even though we're in separate locations. But he said, you know what, if we're going to do that, I need to put a baseball cap on because I just worked out. Oh, yeah. well, I did. So I, I know my, that about you just in the morning. first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like and, that. Uh, yeah. So I, I, would think, um, I, I would think that would be, and they probably don't know how close and, and uh, really close I am to my family. They think that because all my kids work around, you know, my son's uh, our general counsel and just took over managing an office for us. Um, oh, um, awesome. and, and so they're all sort of interconnected there. But I think that those would be the two things. They don't know how close I am to my family. They would guess, but they would not guess about the spirituality because they keep it very quiet. So I kind of knew that about you. How did you uh, just, know that? Just in conversations with Michael yeah. over the years and there's not been one conversation we've had that family didn't come up, Mike. So that's awesome. I did not know about the oh, spirituality. Um, so what does your morning ritual look like or what, what do you do to keep your um, 
spiritual health imbalance? Well, I, I've done a lot of research, um, and one of the things that I um, deeply, deeply believe in is gratitude um, for the health benefits. Um, but more importantly than that, it's it's the it's the right mindset. It makes me smile. It makes me smile any morning if I can either. Uh, thank somebody for something, uh, celebrate a birthday, celebrate an anniversary, but more importantly, just appreciate who they are, either through a handwritten note, which I don't always do, but I do a lot of emails just because my writing's so terrible. <laughs> but I think it puts me in the right mindset. I think exercise is critical, especially as you get a little bit older, it becomes more critical. Um, so I think exercise, that, and a little bit of quiet time um, people, you know, it varies from day to day, but my quiet time is just about reflection on what I want to accomplish. I can visualize on my, I'll take a look at my appointment when I'm done with gratitude and I'm done with exercise. I'll take a look at my appointments and visualize what I want to not do, but rather accomplish in those appointments. I'm more about accomplishment because I think there's, um, there's positive energy that comes from that when you accomplish things versus a to-do list, which zaps your energy. You know, oh my everybody God. has to do it. Right? <laughs> Sarah and yeah. I have that talked about me. lists. We oh, both I are on two I different sides face. on this. <laughs> That's so me. I well, hate to do this. Work on and preach too <laughs> about accomplishment because there's, um, you know, accomplishment, you know, you, you actually conclude something, right? Have a great right. feeling about it versus, okay, check another one off. And it just zaps your energy. I just feel you know? so validated. I feel so validated. But what right I now. like the list for is so that when you cross <laughs> it off, you know you accomplished it. I like to look Serves at the crossed off purposes. Yes. Right. yes. True. True. So My, I do have a to-do list, okay, that I formulate the night before. Um, but I also add two things at the very bottom of that list every day that I must accomplish, no matter what. Okay. I can't let anything stand in my way for accomplishing those, no matter what it is. And I limit it to two because I know I want to accomplish more than that. That's really healthy. So, we were just talking to Valerie yes. Alexander about something similar, and she recommends something similar where you put it on a post-it, what you did, and then you throw it away because it's done. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, there you go. It's that, it's everyone has to have their own system, right? right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Mike, before we let you go, we just have a few rapid fire questions if you're up for the challenge. These are kind of sometimes a little fun, wacky off the wall, one word kind of answers. Go for it, shoot. If you could have dinner with anyone in history, living or dead or anyone, who would it be? Alexander Hamilton. Ooh. Nice one. Leslie, well, <laughs> Appleton Young will be really happy I with that answer I love the musical too. and the book. Alexander Hamilton because, uh, the, uh, I'll tell you the book in a sec, I, I'm fascinated as I stand in Washington, D.C. every year for a board meeting with Zip Logic. I'm fascinated by the fact that, it, that I, when I look at his statue there in front of the Federal Reserve Building or, you know, the, I'm sorry, the Treasury Building, excuse me. Uh, I'm fascinated how a man in his head could develop a banking system for this country that has lasted how many years? 250 years? Yeah. I'm just fascinated. And I think, um, and I've seen the play, obviously, because I was it's a fanatic beautiful. about him before the play. Yes. Um, but piecing that together, this man was brilliant, and he had some personal issues, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I think those short um, shortcut his not shortcut, but they cut him short yeah. on what he could have accomplished. Because I think he was one of the most brilliant men in our country's history. Yeah. On a contemporary basis, I'd probably want to meet Bill Gates. I because I, I would think, how does this? How did this man, architect? operating systems that operate everything in the whole world today. 
and he and Steve Jobs. It fascinates to me. The whole world, not just California, but the whole world. Global. You know, so those book, book is easy. The last book that I read that I really loved and I enjoy, and I've I've read it twice, is called Extreme Extreme, uh, Ownership, um, How Navy, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. It's really interesting. It's a great book on leadership. Um, And for example, here's what I tell my team. There are no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. So you need to get it. We need to get it right. And um, don't complain about agents. Don't complain about a team. Don't complain about your office, which they never do anyway. But just remember, there are no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. And there's a perfect example in that book of a SEAL team leader uh, of eight teams. Um, He was winning every single contest when they compete, right? And the, uh, the last place finisher was finishing last in every single contest. So uh, Jocko and Leaf, they were the two SEAL team leaders, decided to, or supervisors, I should say, decided to switch the leaders. Well, interesting thing happened. The leader who was winning every time took the worst case scenario team, okay, and started winning. And the other team started losing. So he concluded, which I agree with, there are no bad teams, there's only bad leaders. That's right. And I think that plays all the way back to the beginning of this conversation when you asked me about mentors and things. There's great leaders and there's not so good leaders. And I think great leaders have a passion for being humble, passionate. Um, they're servants um, and they believe in helping others rather than have uh, having others help them. We've seen that a lot in our, in our um, interviews that the servant leaders are the most successful. Absolutely. Yeah. On a desert island, what's the one thing you would take with you? Oh, boy. I stumped him. We stumped him. <laughs> on a desert him. island, what's the one thing I would take with me besides my cell phone? Yeah. No, if that, no um, that's your one thing. A lot of people say, I, I see my cell phone. Do you listen to any podcasts? Yeah. What's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is actually Mike Staver. And I'd invite you to listen to it because he has a great one on Thanksgiving about gratitude. I will. Um, we will. It's on our that's list. Awesome. Yeah. Go on. Go find it. Yeah. I can ship it to you too. I'll send you it. But uh, I, I really enjoy him because of the gratitude issue. We've had a lot of discussions around gratitude and what it means and what it does for people, um, and just the just the spiritual benefits of it. But more than that, what it does for other people. I have people that come up and tell me, you know, I've saved that handwritten note that you sent me two years ago. Really? That's how much it That's meant awesome. to them. I didn't think about that when I sent it. I was just appreciating them for fantastic uh, uh, either job they did or just a fantastic contribution to the company or their clients. And gosh, it, it does t- it does mean things. I'll tell you, yeah. it has an impact. Yeah, Mike. Any last words of wisdom before we break? I think the only words of wisdom I have is that um, right now I think our industry is in a evolving. Okay, it's in a transitional state. Um, and I think that people are being distracted by what the, the so-called disruptors, which really aren't disruptors. They're called, they have Wall Street money and, um, you know, foreign money and whatever they have. I don't know. I think if people just stay true to their values, um, that's the number one thing that they can do. And it will always succeed. Values will always win over money. The values will always win over other things because they are attractive more so than money in the long run. And I think too many people, um, uh, are forgetting that perhaps values are that critical. And I'm talking about values that matter in business and values that matter in life because people, no matter what they say, well, in the end, will be more attracted to that 
than they will be to a signing bonus or whatever it may be for them. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. I'm so happy to have gotten a chance to get to know you better. And thank you just for joining us and lending us your wisdom. Well, it's my pleasure. So much we learned from Mike. He's such a 